The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Hello, everybody. My name is Nubias Wilborn. The name of the marquee is Beer. It is on the CSPN Network. We're here each and every week, coming live, talking beer. And I'm at one of my favorite spots. I'm not just saying it because the guy is sitting next to me, but they're making some damn good beer here. And this place, not even a year old, has now come on to be one of the top breweries in the state of Georgia and in the southeast region, man. So salute to Travis Herman, who I'm here with today. Travis, how you doing, man? Doing well, man. Good, well, man. Thanks for coming out. Man, no, thanks for having me. And let's get right into it, man. Right now... We are sipping on this wonderful R&D. It, it looks a little bit like an orangey, grapefruit, juicy kind of feel. Tell me about this beer. Walk me through it, man. Uh, this beer is it's, uh, very similar to Hooligan as far as the, the um, style that we've uh, that we chose to go with. Just a different hop profile. Uh, lots of late edition hops. Um, uh, yeah, lots of late edition hops and hopping during fermentation. All the uh, new rage stuff. Nice. And R&D, I'm assuming it's research development, but how did the name come about? Uh, we hadn't thought of anything more creative yet. <laughs> so is this something that will make market? I mean... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're looking looking to find a name uh, for it that, you know, the, the slippery slope of beer names. Trying to find something that's not taken or protected or, or uh, otherwise infringing on somebody else. Man, how tough is that in the beer game now? I mean, because what, I think when, let's see, back in 88 when craft brewing first started... There maybe were less than 100 breweries. Now they're over 5,000. Yeah, and you figure every one of those breweries probably makes minimum of five brands. Right. So, you know, there's 25,000 names that are off the books. Right, easy. And and there's probably uh, that many uh, more special one-off things that are uh, that are probably also taken and trademarked for things like Utopias that get made once a year or once every other year uh, that, you know, you, that it's a name that you might want, but you uh, wouldn't be able to use anyways. Have you ever run into that as an issue or gotten a... Because there are some certain brewers, we're not going to name names here, but I've heard have sent some very sternly worded letters. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I haven't personally ran into it yet uh, with with our brand, but uh, I've been part of breweries that have that have uh, crossed those lines, and, um, you know, they, they were... Uh, the ones that I worked on were very uh, collaborative, but I've I've heard the stories of non uh, <laughs> uh, non uh, uh, good good versions of it. Yeah, um, there's some interesting stories out there, and I think that's like some. I'm, I'm probably gonna do a show on Zoom, just beer names, how they kind of go about, and who owns them, and how that works, because. For you, so like you end up having to trademark a lot of stuff. Like every time something comes out, uh, I mean, we don't necessarily go uh, uh, to get a trademark on everything. We have a trademark on our brand name, obviously. Right. But uh, for the most part, you just look for anybody that's in your same market that would be competing with that brand. And you know, if if obviously you couldn't, uh, you you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't want to um, name your name your beer uh after something that's already in the same market or it would confuse you know it wouldn't do your brand any good either just for right. lack of creativity unless you know maybe you were to name your beer something that would really help your brand slight such as you know Pliny's younger brother uh you know, <laughs> something like that Pliny the cousin yeah where people would buy it just because of its original association but again in those situations i think that uh 
you know, somebody else's brand, they've worked so hard to protect that name. I don't think they'd let you away with it for very long. Yeah, I don't think that would work, yeah. especially. And I think nowadays, more than ever, with the way beer is traded, the way beer is discussed nationally, it is really tough to get away with that. I'll tell you a place where you won't get away with trademark infringement. It's here on Beer It Is on the CSPN Network. My name is Tobias Woolborn, here with Travis Hermain, here at Scuffle Out Brewing, here in beautiful Atlanta, man. So I mentioned trading. Yeah. And you have a beer right now. I mean, you have several beers, but this one in particular, it is making the people go crazy in the trading game. I mean, the vanilla ascension. And which is interesting because you had to try to change the name on with the app brand too, right? Uh, yeah, we we were normally going to call it Absentia, which I think uh, somebody had already taken that. So we called it Absentium uh, just to change it up a little bit more. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, we, uh, we actually like that name a little bit more. It seems a little more fitting. Uh, right. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty impressive, the response that we've gotten off of uh, that release. Um, it's very humbling. I mean, like, but what's that like? I mean, I mean, you're like not only you're a brewer, but I mean, you're a beer fan. What's that like looking up and seeing people offering triple digits for, you know, a 16.7 ounce beer? Yeah, I mean, it's. I never thought that anything that I made would ever make it to a realm like that. So I'm very honored that it has. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, pretty impressed to see some of the things that that uh, you know people are comparing it to. Um, it's, it's. What are some things you've seen compared to? Uh, I'm really bad at uh, pulling those off the top of my head. Mostly, it's JP. He's the one that uh, can remember all of the names of for course. the beers. Uh, but I know that you know he was saying they're they're you know every time he comes in excited because somebody traded this beer for that beer. Or they traded some some beer that he won he wants to drink for one of those. I basically get to feed off of his excitement. <laughs> I don't. Well, I, mean, uh, well, I don't. I don't get to trade on the beer boards like uh, like I did when I was a single pup. Now, uh, now my my refrigerator is full of uh, juice boxes and small small packets of uh, organic box milk. Uh, so my beer cellar is uh, is kind of relinquished to just sitting in the walk in here and uh, and just uh, not not getting to see much light of day anymore. Wow, I mean, but that's kind of how it goes, man. When you're making a living off this business, obviously with the lovely wife and the beautiful young man and just kind of trying to build that family. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like I said, I, I, I wish I could get back out in some of those trading things. We're pretty lucky here. We've got lots of people that uh, that are, are pretty good friends of the brewery that will bring by some interesting stuff. Um, a lot of it's been, you know, pretty lucky to get to try some of the, the harder-to-find um, IPAs that are out now from mm-hmm. some of the hot point, some of the hot brands up up in the Northeast. Right, the heavy toppers, those yeah, kind of things. Yeah, and some of the some of the new and up comers from California and from uh, uh, Cincinnati and in San Diego area. Or I'm sorry, uh, uh, St. Louis area, where uh, yeah, just getting to drink a lot of good beer from all over the place versus before where you tried to hunt it down. Now it seems like it sort of finds. It kind of comes to you, man. Yeah, it's really it's really nice. So, like, what's the best feedback you've gotten on one of your beers? Like, is it from a fellow brewer? Is it from just other people in the business? Like, what's some of the best feedback you've gotten? Uh, I mean, I think probably the one that that I like to hear the most, and it's probably one of the the more frequent comments that we get is, uh, you know, I don't like IPAs, but you guys' is very approachable. Or, uh, you know, my, my wife doesn't drink beer, but she really likes your sneaky weed or your soccer punch. It's it's always nice to hear when somebody says something like, "Well, I don't usually like, uh, but you know, I've made an exception for yours." I think that that's that's a pretty uh, you know that's a pretty good compliment, just because if if you know if I don't 
usually like something, I probably am not going to really try it. And right. So the fact that somebody was willing to give us a try and then change their mind on it is, that's a pretty big thing to do. Like, I don't like hominy, and even if I haven't had hominy in 20 years, but I would pretty much guarantee I'll never put hominy in my mouth I'm again. not trying any hominy, right. <laughs> I'm done even if it does taste really good nowadays. So the fact that somebody's, you know, not really an IPA fan because of whatever reason, and then they are willing to try ours um, and, and change their mind about it, I think that's one of the best compliments that I can get. So, man, last time I talked to you, I think maybe you were in for a little over a month. I got up with you right after your opening party, which is, like, right outside. And you guys were starting a 30-barrel system. I'm hearing now there, there's some expansion. I guess you guys can talk about that a little bit. Uh, yeah, we're, we're putting in uh, three 90-barrel fermenters and a 90-barrel bright uh, just to help keep up with some of our demand. Um Right now, we have our 15 barrels and our 30 barrels, uh, our existing tanks, are pretty much all tied up, just trying to, to keep up with with uh, the demand that we have in the market right now. And um, we, you know, we we we're kind of getting in that rut where you don't get to do new R&D things because if right. you uh, if you stop to you know you stop making a beer that the market needs to do an R&D beer, then. Uh, then uh, you lose beer. You know, you lose more people. Don't get your beer, even though you get another new beer out. Uh, there's a lot of people who want the you know the original core brands. Uh, so it'll, I think it'll help. I think it'll help that. I think it'll allow us to uh, use some of our smaller tanks for creative creative purposes uh, while using the larger tanks for manufacturing purposes. So for you guys right now, it's the Hooligan in the basement. Those are the two. Keep the lights on, beers. Uh, yeah, hooligan basement, sneaky wheat, and double jeopardy. Uh, wow, so you got like four that people are going tend to be. Yeah, um, basement by far is you know the the most popular, with uh, followed by you know the wheat and the double jeopardy. Uh, West Side's pulling in quite a bit. You know, Sucker Punch um, pulls pulls quite a few uh, people its way. Um, so yeah, it's just because sneaky wheat wasn't supposed to be a year-round brand, right? Initially, uh, yeah, I, we didn't really know in the beginning uh, what what the market was going to want. So we kind of thought that we were going to make it a, a summer beer, a springtime beer. Um, but it, it has a it's grown its own little following. So it so it basically now it's becoming you have to make it year-round because the demand is there it's, for yeah, it. it seems to sell every time. Uh, Every time we turn a batch out, we pretty much need to put a batch in because it'll sell out before we can make another batch. So, wow. Uh, that's enough of a demand that it always justifies doing it again. Wow. And, I mean, by the way, and let's talk about that beer a little bit. 8% wheat beer. Explain to me what the malt bill, what you can kind of share on that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a pretty standard wheat bill. It's uh, 40% uh, wheat, uh, vaulted wheat, um, 50% uh, barley, and then other, other forms of wheat, uh, raw wheat. Uh, flake wheat and fortified wheat. Oh, I'm sorry, flake barley and fortified wheat. Uh, and it uses orange uh, pill, um, both uh, bitter and sweet orange peel, and uh, uh, coriander, um, all in the Whirlpool editions. Nice. And uh, standard German Hefeweizen uh, hop. That is awesome, man. And you don't see many wheat beers at 8%, man. That's like a whole other level as far as the ABV. But it doesn't drink. Like an eight percent beer. How'd you make that happen? Uh, you know, I think I think a lot of um, I think a lot of the the harshness that people get out of alcohol is um, due to uh, either warm fermentations or the mash chemistry or water chemistry um, tends to tends to throw off a, a hot note to it. Um, we ferment it uh, relatively cool, um, which takes a long time for the beer to actually ferment at a temperature lower than the yeast want to. Uh, but I, I think that that really helps kind of mask a lot of the 
the typical boozy notes that you would get if you were to ferment at you know at a higher temperature. Wow! And so how'd you come to that realization, man? Uh, Chris White's book on yeast says it all. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are like reading books and shit, right? Yeah, man. Uh, no, I think it's been known for uh, you know probably centuries that uh, you know it's it, the beer is always better. Uh, when it's fermented at cooler temperatures versus the beer, you know, back in the days before mechanized refrigeration, um, you know, they just knew that beer brewed in the spring and uh, in the early or late winter were always a little bit better than right. beers brewed at the end of August. Makes uh, sense. Just uh, and so I think everybody's um, collectively, you know, I think that's a pretty common uh, common thing. Um, However, you know, brewers always have to, to fight the other edge of that is that, you know, if you've got it running too cold, maybe your fermentations won't come, won't go to the finish, mm. uh, leaving your beers overly sweet and under attenuated. Nobody wants that either. Right. Uh, so it's a, it's a delicate balance of knowing, uh, how far out of the, out of the yeast comfort zone you can, you can push them and still expect them to get their job done. You know what? Um, you just use, you just use the word there. I know what it means to some of the audience because again, like we range from entry level, like maybe the first time drinking craft beer to, Home brewers and everything in between. Um, what does under attenuated mean? Uh, so, much much of the brewing terminology is uh, a big word that means something um, fancy. So, attenuation is uh, essentially a word that that uh, assigns a number to the um, completeness of fermentation. Uh, so, um, an under attenuated beer would be an under uh, or a, a beer that did not finish fermenting as much as it uh, could have. Um, so that would leave, uh, you know, the act of making alcohol is yeast, uh, you know, eating the, the sugars and making ethanol and carbon dioxide as a metabolic byproduct. And uh, so if they don't do as much as they could have, then there will be uh, that residual sweetness left over. And that's uh, an under Right, beer. which is totally different from an off flavor, which we will get into that more. Gotcha. A quick pause for the cause. We'll be right back with Mayor Travis Herman here at Scufflock. Hey everyone, this is your man Jeremy from the Crown and Collars podcast. Just reminding you that you are listening to a CSPN media presentation. And to check out Crown and Collars every Wednesday so we can tell you what your aunt does when you're not around. This episode of the Beer It Is podcast is sponsored by Busted Tees. Your home for funny, awesome, cool t-shirts that are sure to get your friends' attention. Busted Tees puts many of their popular shirt designs on sale each week. Choose from several eye-catching t-shirts inspired by pop culture. Cleverly themed t-shirts inspired by movies, video games, TV shows, comic books, geek culture, and much more are on sale right now. To help keep our podcast free, you can order from Bust Tees by going to our official website, cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then clicking on the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Busted Tees banner, and then you can shop for awesome t-shirts. Busted Tees through cspn.us. Do it today. Alright, boys and girls, we are back on Beer It Is on the CSP Network. My name is Tobias Wilborn, back here at Scufflaw. And Travis actually had to go stop and brew some beer for a minute or check on some things there with the graining out and mashing out there, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> got to, uh, always got to do something. There's always something that's going on in a brewery. That's a beautiful thing. But speaking of things going on, man, 
Alright, man, so look. There's this beer they have right now. Well, several. But it's in the bottles. And then there's a two bottle, three bottle per limit on the Maniac. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, um... That's a state of state of Georgia imposed limit on uh, what a person can carry out at least until September first. Uh, so, um, but that beer is a uh, is a rye strong ale uh, with a, a portion of uh, malted rye making up the bill, um, and then it's fermented in stainless steel uh, with um, sweet or I'm sorry bitter orange peel uh, used in the whirlpool, and then uh, after primary fermentation is ended, we put it in a rye whiskey barrel. For about seven months, uh, it resided in there and picked up even more of the rye flavor uh, and the whiskey flavor, and then pull it out of those barrels and put it back in stainless steel on uh, sweet cherries, uh, and then it set on the sweet cherries through a secondary fermentation, uh, and then we pulled that out and put it in bottles from there. So, so it ends up being like a Manhattan. <laughs> that was that was our uh, that was our uh, goal. Yes. How'd you come with that concept? Uh, don't um, don't actually know. One of our uh, one of our um, other brewers that work here. Uh, it was his idea, and I think he. Um, I think the story went that he was, uh, you know, he's he's um, much more into that beer scene, younger guy, and can kind of have the expendable income to go out and, and nice. hunt down these beers. But I think uh, he was a fan of some other beers that he had had out in the market. Uh, I'm not sure exactly of the brand, uh, mm. but they were based off of uh, uh, liquor drinks that you know somebody had made a beer interpretation of. And I believe that he liked the Manhattan, and that was kind of his his version of, of a beer that he liked. Right. So what kind of feedback you get on that one, man? Uh, a, a lot of people, you know, everything everything that uh, you would expect from that, uh, you know, they, they get the the definite bourbon nose. They get the, the cherry after it warms up. Um, the 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 thinness of it, you know, is not your typical dark beer where it's really right. heavy and thick. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it still sort of mimics a. A, a mixed drink, right? It's, it's I, I found it to be on draft very drinkable, very smooth. Yeah, so I found it to be all right. So yeah, so with that maniac, I found it to be first of all the nose on this crazy, and the warm up on it is I think what makes that beer worth its weight in gold, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I have to agree with you. I think the same thing. I, I think uh, when you get it on draft, um, just because of the way our draft system is, we can't make that, that one keg a little bit warmer. But, yeah, if you let it sit in your cup for a little bit, hold on to it tightly, and uh, I think it really livens up after it, it warms up about 15 or 20 degrees. Right, and so the ABV is listed on that at 13.6, I think? Uh, a little bit lower? Or? Yeah, I actually got lucky enough and didn't have to handwrite it on all the labels a thousand <laughs> times. So. Uh, but I believe, I believe, yeah, that's the number of it. Right, right, because it's, again, under the Georgia limit, because of course, of course. You know, we obey you know, the laws of the state in which we grew in. Of course. And as it's listed on the label. Yes, yes. <laughs> and so, like, how do you, um, how do you, like, find those? Well, one, it was interesting, too, like, with Bourbon Barrel Agent. How do you go about that? How do you make sure you don't deal with infection issues, things of that nature? Uh, I mean, pretty much like the same answer for all of brewing. Uh, you try to be, uh, try to be as as sanitized or as you know as conscious of sanitation and cleaning practices as you can. Um, even though they're uh, fresh, freshly emptied barrels, there's still uh, a chance that it could pick up some of the new um, resistant strains of lactobacillus, as right. as you know, a, a, a rather large unnamed brewery uh, yes. got to experience. Um, no names, please. Hashtag. <laughs> uh, yeah, but um, you know that, and uh, a lot of uh, the beers that we put into wood, um, they're they're typically heavily hopped. At least they were heavily hopped uh, in the kettle. Um, 
so that that really helps keep a lot of it down. Um, obviously, the uh, contamination that happened uh, with the unnamed brewery would, wouldn't have been stopped by a heavily hopped wort, um, but it would have been stopped by a tetraisomerized a tetraisomerized hop. Uh, that they figured out um, just a very, very small amount that doesn't actually add anything to the perceivable bitterness uh, is enough to, to keep that from happening. So, Right. Well, I mean, hey, look, it's beer sometimes trial and error. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of times it's, uh, well, it was always trial and error in the beginning until right. somebody's trialed it enough times they made it error-free. Right, and then, you know, they wrote some books. Shout out to yeah. Garrett, shout out to those guys who have kind of paved the way. So who are some of your heroes in brewing, man? When you first got into the game, uh, so my my uh, my entry into the game was probably a little different than most people's, uh, in the fact that uh, I didn't uh, I didn't start off with um, like a uh, the, the typical you know you start with the Mr. Beer kit and you kind of learn like okay this is wort that I'm rehydrating from a syrup or you know from a powder. Right. And uh, I didn't start that way. I actually started. You went to school for this. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I went to school to just to you know, like everybody to go to college. You start doing something, um, and I found myself working in a commercial fermentation lab. Uh, that job took me to California, which was kind of the land of of, of uh, you know craft beer right. um, at the time in the late '90s and early 2000s. And so then it was that sort of uh, eye-opening experience to all of the stuff that was out there. Uh, you know, in the time at, at that time, you know, uh, New Belgium products weren't sold in California, so wow. we thought that it was you know really really awesome if you drove to like the California border, the Oregon border, and brought some back down. Like that was some <laughs> of the you know the, some of I guess you could say my original unicorns. Uh, right? Isn't it funny how the game has changed in that way? Uh, it has. I mean, everybody's gotten gotten uh, you know a lot of the original players have um, become so successful that they're easy to get almost everywhere now. They're yeah. they're distributed on a national and even an international uh, scale. Um, the things that used to be unobtainable are, right. are available well, everywhere now. I was just talking to Brooklyn Brewing. Well, that's why I mentioned Gary. I was talking to Brooklyn Brewing, and they're in 27 states. They're in 27 states and in 27 countries. I would believe that. I mean, like, they're, like, brewing beer in Scandinavia and all these places, and they have, like, some interesting partnerships in the U.K. Yeah. And it's like, my goodness. It's, I mean, could you... Imagine a scuffla in, you know, Dublin somewhere. Is that? <laughs> It'd be pretty awesome. Uh, that's for sure. First, we got to make enough for Georgia. Right. Well, I mean, uh, which is interesting. So, like, who are you distributed with here? United. United. Okay. Yeah. So, they, and how do you kind of balance? Because United can be a little demanding when it comes to how uh, much beer they want when the beer is popular. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't, I don't deal too much directly with them. That's more Matt and. Uh, Matt and JP's realm, they love to they love to go and uh, chat with those guys. But you know, from from everything that I gauge, uh, they're really good for us. You know, yeah. they they do uh, they do a really good job of selling our brand and, and of making people aware of who we are. And uh, uh, you know, we do everything we can do to make sure they get beer. I mean, and look, and you've worked for some big brewers. I mean, obviously, Russell River. I mean, we can go on down a list of your resume. I mean, you've you've been in some of these places, but what's it like? place that you have ownership in, literal ownership in, and seeing your beer at, you know, the Porter, the Brick Store, Buster yeah. Turner's, like, places like that. Um, that's, that's probably the coolest part about the whole thing, uh, just in general, is like, man, like, that's my look shit. at that, that's your <laughs> shit, yeah, exactly that, I mean, there's, uh, there's, there's, there's still no real explanation for how that feels, because it's just really awesome to see, um, I think it's, uh, the, the only way you could really describe it is, like, when you, 
when I like go to a place to eat with your kid and he sees the tap on the back and he's like super excited like daddy daddy look they have scofflaw here they have scofflaw wow and it's sort of the same uh, the same enthusiasm I guess I have I kind of like in my mind like look 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 they have scofflaw yeah of course you can order it yeah yeah yeah, most definitely (laughs) that's still gotta be I mean I can just I mean I think the thing is as a beer drinker as a like I said a beer fan which you are like you know where the the good beer bars are wherever you've lived because you live in Arizona and obviously you worked at one of the fine establishments, old school beer bars slash, um, you know, breweries there. And being in a place like Atlanta, where you, I guess you're still learning Atlanta to an extent, but seeing it like in places where it's like, okay, wow, this is a place where beer is respected. And then people are ordering it and excited about ordering it. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would agree. It's, uh, like I said, it's a very humbling experience that, that, uh, that the market is, has accepted us like they have here. Um, it's, it's awesome to see that, uh, that craft beer is alive uh, in the South and people want it. They, uh, it's awesome to see that, that you know, people will seek it out. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, like I said, I mean, and I can tell you, man, whenever I take your beer, I was just in Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, I was in Charlotte. Um, and that's what, like, you know, basement and hooligan. And people were like, oh, my God, this is, this is good. This is really good. Can I get some more of this? I'm like, well, you gotta, gotta, I guess, get with your distributors and local people because it's gonna be tough. We're gonna take a quick pause. We're gonna ask some more questions. We'll be right back. This is Tim Dog from the Comic Book Chronicles. Make sure to join myself, Agent 70, Dirt, and Roddy Cat live every Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, as we discuss the latest breaking comic book news and also review the new comic books each week, along with discussing TV shows, movies, and much more. And make sure to go to our website, theclicknation.com. You can listen to the Comic Book Chronicles every Friday by subscribing to the Cold Slither Podcast Network. All right, boys and girls, so we're back one more time with man, Travis, like I said, busy guy, running a brewery, co-owner, co-founder of this wonderful place, man. So I got to ask you, you and Matt, totally different types of guys, man, from my interactions with you both. What's it like working with him? Uh, you know, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's a trip. But, uh, <laughs> he's hardcore, man. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think it takes somebody like that to kind of cut through some of the bullshit that you could get tied up with, uh, you know, just... Some of the stuff that I would circle around, circle around, circle around, he'd be like, ah, just fuck that. Like, just right. kind of fuck that. And you're like, oh, well, that, that also works. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's interesting. Um, it's interesting to have somebody that, you know, is so, is so driven like that. I don't think that we would be uh, near where we're at without somebody like that. And so, like, how'd you guys come into contact with each other, and how have you guys been able to, like, to build your, your bond? Uh, well, it's uh, it was something that we both wanted to do independently. Uh, you know, so it's like that, those old 80s commercial where the guy's walking down the street with a peanut butter and the other guy's walking down the street with a chocolate and they run into each other. And it's like, oh, you got your chocolate and my peanut butter. Like, oh, you got your... And that's how Reese's Peanut Butter Cups were made. So it's kind of the <laughs> same type of thing. You know, he was looking to start a brewery and I was looking to start a brewery and we started talking and 
Nice. Now and, we got Scoffalo. And so obviously you guys are the two winning ones that come up with the recipes, come up with the things like and with the name Scuffla with the goat, I'm I'm assuming this this picturing there, there might be a little bit of um, headbutting every now. Healthy headbutting. Yeah, I mean it's uh it's uh it's 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 definitely always an intense uh, conversation. Um, but I like it. Uh, it's always healthy headbutting. I mean, you know, there's there's uh, some of the best ideas come out of the, those moments right before turmoil or right after turmoil. <laughs> and so, tell me. What's next for Scuff Law? What we will expect to be coming, and what we'll be looking for? Uh, well, you know, we've got our new tanks arriving. Um, we're building up our lab uh, parallel to our uh, production facility, so we're scaling up with, um, you know, with a lot more uh, resources put in that area. Um, so, uh, yeah, probably more IPAs, more beers. More so, beers. how do IPAs have become like the the tour de jour for you guys? Well, um, you know, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier about, um, you know, how does it feel to go to a bar and, and see your your beer on? Um, and it, it's sort of also the same thing with, uh, you know, when, uh, like, why we wouldn't really make a beer that we don't want to drink is, that, you know, you don't mm-hmm. want to go to a bar and see your beer on and it'd be a beer of yours that you don't like because mm. you know, you're, you're not really a big fan of a, of a ginger uh, a ginger stout or something else, and so then you right. you end up ordering somebody else's beer because you don't want to drink your beer. So um, you know, a lot of the beers we, we we think about beers of like what what do we want to drink, and it almost always ends up being an IPA. IPA. So, right. um, it's working out well for us, and I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that that people love our IPAs enough that we don't have to uh, be stuck with making beer that we don't want to make. Right. Um, what you, you guys do the wheat, which is, I think, one of the better wheats you'll find out there. You know, I, I agree with you on that one. Wheat is not my style, but uh, I I am, even when I taste ours off the fermentation and, and uh, taste it off the bright tank as part of a quality, I'm always pleasant, pleasantly surprised. You know, I'm kind of like, ah, fuck, like, we got to drink the wheat today. <laughs> and then we drink it, and, and you drink it, and you're just like, man, this is very this is enjoyable. Good. You know, it's not that... That typical, uh, that typical heavy, uh, heavy wheat flavored beer that um, that I don't personally prefer. Uh, that makes every wheat beer taste like that beer I don't prefer um, because they, usually those wheat notes are so strong. Right. So, any any summer beers coming? I mean, what's going on? Uh, nothing, nothing that's in our immediate um, pipeline uh, right now. You know, we're heavily anticipating these new tanks. Uh, that will obviously take some stress off of. The fact that we have to keep basement in all of our little tanks, but uh, um, you know we have the sour program that we want to get kicked off. We have all yeah, these. Yeah, definitely barrels. want to get into it. With it. That's why I was. That's why I was leading to. Yeah, we have all these barrels we, we need to fill, but we don't have the time uh, or the resources right now to dedicate to, to, to moving on with those. So um, you know we don't have anything specifically in the pipeline other than when these new tanks get here. Hopefully we can we can start doing some creative things some again. Stuff. Because I mean, I'm hearing there's gonna be some wine barrels. There's gonna be some different things with the sour program. Yeah, yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to doing traditional uh, traditional sour fermentations. Oh, that's gonna be fun. And and you guys being such sticklers for cleaners, we talked about you know the automated um, keg cleaners before, the keg washers before. We talked about just the dedication you guys take to making sure that each and every keg is numbered and tagged and you know what's going on with a keg. I mean, I think that's just so important. So I'm assuming with the sour program, you got to take the same steps to make sure that, you know, it doesn't contaminate the other beers that are being brewed. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's, uh, it's, um, I think it's paramount. Uh, your brewery will very quickly change, uh, change its, um, 
its output if you're if you don't uh, bring that to the paramount of of keeping everything uh, clean, sanitary, and separated and segregated. Very important. And you know, what well, is one beer that's coming? At least I think it's is it already in bottles? About to be bottled? The coffee. Um, uh, it is already in barrels. We're we're um, currently messing around with different types of coffee. Uh, uh, just trying to get that right flavor of the coffee to go with the beer. Mm. Um, every uh, every time we uh, every time that we we think we've got it, we think about it a little bit more, and we go buy a different type of coffee and focus on the coffee for a couple of days. Interesting. Still looking for this one with the perfect amount of roast and the perfect amount of. You know, cocoa sort of flavor that it has. Um, still trying to find that blend because the the, the absentium, the barrel absentium, has its own flavor. I thought it was a little sweet, but then the vanilla. I was like, okay, is the vanilla going to be really sweet? Then the vanilla kind of balanced out the sweetness on it. How the hell does that happen, man? <laughs> uh, man, the, the the human palate is a funny thing, right? Like right. they can make little pieces of clear jelly bellies taste like uh, taste like boogers and dirt. Um, <laughs> so, but you know, part of that is uh, part of that is uh, you know what why I was saying we're looking for the right coffee. Um, the absentium base itself is a is a relatively sweet beer. Um, it's boiled for thirteen hours uh, to give it a lot of residual. Um, you know, just. Right. Uh, for lack of a better word, um, magnifique. All right. Yeah, and uh, I think that the way that certain certain notes, like a thicker coffee with more of the cocoa, would really help soften that out. I think the vanilla barrel that you were mentioning about really helps soften down some of that sweetness. Mm-hmm. People expect uh, things that are vanilla to be a sweeter than something that's not, and so I think it's uh, you know it's the same exact base beer that just uh, had a, a flavor that lent it to be more balanced. Which I mean, which is why I went crazy for. I mean. I like the barely. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I didn't like the barely. Yeah. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, it was like, okay, it's a little sweet, and I was like, ooh, the vanilla's gonna be really sweet. That'd be like a dessert beer, but it wasn't that. And then the coffee seems like it's gonna be the better of the three potentially. Uh, I, I'm, uh, I have the, the, I have very high hopes for it because I like coffee beers. They're kind yeah. of really my. My preferred style of way to drink a good stout. So nice. I'm, uh, I'm most anxious about this one. So you're gonna try to go local with the beans? Yeah, yeah, definitely. We've uh, we've met with a couple of people um, that are local around here and tried tried uh, some of the the blends that they've done. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I still think we need just a little bit more. I uh, I liked all the coffees that we've done so far. Um, you don't realize that. Uh, you don't realize how much difference there is in coffee, just like you probably don't realize right. how much difference there is in beer until you start getting into it. Yeah, and you sure, really sure. start to realize that there's as many different variations of coffee and roast and flavor as there are almost variations of beer. Yeah. Um, and so trying to find that one is, is kind of our new uh, our new uh, uh, rabbit down the hole. We're trying to find that perfect coffee to go with this beer. And so when do you want it out? Two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah. it's gonna be out when it's out. Basically. Yeah, we're we're really trying to push it, um, trying to get it, trying to get it in a bottle. We're just uh, struggling to find this this coffee. Uh, okay, how long do you want to age it on the coffee? It'll probably be on the coffee just a few days. Okay, um, so kind of go with uh, the the cold the cold uh, brew sort of nice. method of you know let it sit on it for twenty four or forty eight hours and then get the coffee out of there before it starts to get that bitter uh, stringent coffee notes. Nice. You got, I mean, the geeks are looking for it, man. I mean, you guys have really. Set yourself. How many bottles of that will be out? Or because I'm going to be brewery only. I'm assuming. Yeah, it'll be it'll be a, a small number of bottles. Um, mm-hmm. It'll probably be two to three barrels worth, uh, depending on how the barrel. You know, we pull the barrels down and sample them and blend a, a few different barrels together. 
uh, but it'll probably be about three barrels worth, so somewhere in the 500 bottle range. And it'll be labeled at a 13.7% ABV because that is the Georgia law. And well, of course. Scoff law would never skirt the law, right? We would never <laughs> scoff at the law. <laughs> well played. Speaking of that, tell people where they can find you guys on Twitter, Instagram, and all the places where they can find this release and everything else. Yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, Scofflaw Brewing Co. Uh, Instagram is Scofflaw Beer, at Scofflaw Beer, and uh, scofflawbrewery.com. Well, again, they're not scoffing at the law because they would never do that. But seriously, guys, check out Travis, check out Matt, JP, all this fine crew here that are making these great beers. And I guess I can sit with this guy for forever, but he's got to go make beer, and I got to go do some more stuff. So we'll be back. Thank you so much, Travis. Thank you. Until the next time, guys. Indeed, man. Be good. Yeah.